on Tuesday nights. All we do is Sports Talk Atlanta. Tune in at 8 p.m. Eastern Time with host Travis McGee and Jamel Johnson. And, by the way, we talk HBCU first. Then we get you ready for all the sports news of the week around the world. We can't wait for you to stop by Never Had It So Good Sports Radio for the best sports show in America on Tuesday night. Let's go! Good evening, this is Sports Talk Atlanta on the Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network and Radio. I am your host, Travis McGee, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jamel Johnson. Jamel, how are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great, Travis. How are you tonight? Man, I'm always excited on, on show day, Jamel, because a lot of sports is going on, and we have crowned national champions in basketball, in men's and women's. So I'm fired up, Jamel. I am fired up. We just had two. Uh, well, one of them was really good, LSU versus Iowa. The other one was kind of a blowout, but still, uh, we are going to congratulate UConn on an amazing tournament run. That was their fifth also um, in, in school history, and LSU uh, getting their first in school history as well. Um, and also, uh, Major League Baseball just had their opening day. Uh, a lot of teams have played their fourth game. A lot of teams are 4-0, 3-1. Um, and then playoffs are about to happen in, in the NBA. So I'm just so excited right now in sports. It's, it's really heating up. <laughs> yeah. So am I, man. So am I, man. It, I mean, it's great to be alive at this time in this country. We're seeing record stuff happen. We've seen stuff that never happened before. We're not, we don't get into politics on this show. But when you have the first president sitting or former president to be indicted, that's a, that's a key word, indicted, amen, we're seeing it with our own eyes. We live to see this, Jamel, you and I. Yeah, we did. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy time in America right now. Yeah, man, crazy times, man, crazy times, man. I love it. And look at this. This is Sports Talk Atlanta. Never had it so good. Sports media network and radio and what we do here, HBCU is our brand. So we like to give you HBCU sports news and updates. We're going to go ahead and start that right now. HBCU women's basketball players have declared for the WNBA draft. Last year we saw Jackson State's Amisha Williams holiday drafted, and she was just the sixth HBCU player to be taken in the draft. Six, Jamel. Since this started, yeah. we only had six to go, man. Huh? 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 Well, three more. Three more HBCU women players seek to be the seventh, eighth, and ninth black college players taken in the draft. Jasmine Harris from North Carolina A&T, Ayanna Emanuel from Alabama State, and Dariana Lewis from Alabama A&M have declared for the 2023 draft. Now, the draft is set to take place on Monday, October 10th. That's April 10th. I'm sorry. I'm I'm already in October, Jamel, so excuse me. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm too excited. I need to slow down. That's what I need to do. <laughs> the draft is, is set to take place on Monday, April 10th at 7 p.m. Man, what you think, man? I think they all three are going to go. They're all three really go. good. Uh, huh? I, th- I, th- I think all three are going to go. Gonna go. Yeah, I really hope they do. They're all three are really good. Harris averaged 13.6.7 rebounds for the Aggies. And we had Emmanuel, who was a SWAC player of the year, and she led the Hornets with 16.8 points. And then uh, Alabama A&M, um, she had 16.4 points, 10.9 rebounds, and 1.9 blocks in three seasons with the team. So they're all really, really good. These women really are the embodiment of HBCU women's basketball. Um, and then yeah. when you just look at last year, we had Amicia Williams-Holiday out of Jackson State, and she was the sixth player from an HBCU taken in the 26 or the, at that time it was the 25-year history of the, um, of the WNBA because it was established in 1996. So it's been 26 years since it's been established. Um, and we're, we're, we only, we've only seen six HBCU players taken in the draft 
And before her, it was a 20-year period uh, from 2022 up until 20 or 2000 is when uh, that, that was the last before her was when the fifth HBCU player was taken. Um, so now, I mean, we have two really good HBCU players, and I feel like she kind of we, we're kind of getting back into getting HBCU players into the WNBA. Amicia Williams-Holiday kind of laid the groundwork once again because they kind of had forgotten about us for a minute. Um, but now she was the first person taken uh, – or not first person, she was, yeah, she was the first person taken in 20 years. And now we have three more. That gave them the confidence, like, hey, you know, she did it last year. I think I'm going to be able to do it this year. There's always got to be that one person, that, that first person that does something um, and, and really lays it out there and brings awareness to everything that's going on. And then from that point on, we're going to get a number two, a number three, a number four. Um, and I think these, these girls are really, really good. And I, I think they're going to be able to get drafted and uh, hopefully make some noise in the league. Hey, man. I, um, well, you know, I already know how I feel about HBCUs getting drafted because of the fact that in a 20-year stretch, you're not going to convince me nobody was good. Exactly. You know, period. And they're trying to do that in football. Out of four conferences, you're going to tell me nobody's good, but yet you built your league off of these four conferences. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I'll get into that later. Not this show, but I'll get into that later more. You already know how I feel, and my network knows how I feel about that. And it's really coming to the light more and more, <laughs> you know, uh, more and more. People are seeing it more and more. Stuff I saw 10 or 15 years ago is coming to the light more and more. And it's, it's just really it, – it, it really irks me. But at the same time, you know, we always have to be two times better than our counterparts in order to get into the league and do this, that, and the other. And baseball really showed it again. It showed its ugly self during the World Series where no African-American-born players were in the World Series. So, again – 20 years, that's way too long. But now, um, you know, the coach at LSU, this is something that we didn't say in our production meeting. This coach at LSU last year when they played Jackson's first game, she said that Jackson State team is well coached. And she gave Jackson State a lot of props, a lot of good things. She said, we just came out of a great game. She's, you know, she said, that Jackson State team is just – she said, that coach is not going to be there long. Mm. And she wasn't. You know, that was last year. Again, LSU had to play another HBCU team, first game in the tournament. And she said it again. And I am so proud of uh, Dawn Staley with South Carolina, where she wore Cheney State gear – during the game in the tournament. Yeah. Doesn't get any better than that, Jamel. It doesn't. It really doesn't. You know, you're going to have to get HBCUs that props, and we're not going anywhere. Although they want to close them down, they're not going anywhere. Even with our bad yeah. business practices and everything else we do on the negative, they're still not going anywhere because there's brilliance there. Yeah. There's brilliance. There's brilliance there, and there's brilliance at every 104 institutions. They're not going anywhere. So, exactly. you know, they might as well get used to it. <laughs> and that Angela Reese showed them something, in the, but we'll get into that later. She didn't go, you know, the African-American young lady in the tournament with LSU showed them something, didn't she? She really did. She really did. She, she averaged a double-double. She ever is a double double. Uh, hold it, Jamel. Hold it, Jamel. We'll wait till later in the show. <laughs> I'm excited too, man. Just hold on. I got a couple. We got a couple more points here of uh, HBCU sports news and updates. Let's get to it real quick. Team Dick Barnett defeated Team Willis Reed in the 2024. I hate that, but rest in peace, Willie Willis Reed. Uh, in the 2024 HBCU basketball All Star game, Eastern Maryland Eastern Shores. Nathaniel Pollard took home the MVP as he had a double-double of 10 points, 14 rebounds. Good game. Texas Southern Jordan Carl also had a great game. He put up 26 points and 10 rebounds. Wow, Jamel. 
to an all-star game. And for you to have 26 points and 10 rebounds, 10 points and 14 rebounds, man, that's that's hard work. It's a lot of that hard is, work. That is, that is hard work. A lot of the – I feel like basketball is one um, – basketball is not just one with points. Basketball is one – uh, in rebounds and assists and steals, winning winning the turnover battle, um, it's it, it, it's one it's one in a lot of these different areas. Um, and I mean, this HBCU All Star game, we really saw it. Uh, these these players were going out there hard. I mean, you know, in All Star games, um, you're you're going out there, but when you typically think about All Star games, you're not playing as hard. You're probably playing sixty seventy percent, trying to show off your talent and everything. But this HBCU basketball game, this or this HBCU All-Star basketball game, it was really a hard-fought battle, and Team Barnett did come out on top. Um, like you said, rest in peace to Willis Reed. It was a very good tribute that they had to name him. I mean, they, they had named the team after him before he even passed, um, but I think it really just um, signified how good of a player he really was and how much of importance he had to HBCU basketball in general. Uh, but it was a very – very good game, and it was on CBS. So if you missed it, you know you were trying to not you were trying to not watch it, uh, but it definitely went. So I mean, you know, and and it was in the middle of the March Madness tournament also. Uh, so you know, I, I feel like it was really really good, and um, I'm, I'm hoping that some of these players are going to be able to get selected. Those are the ones the ones that are um, leaving and seniors and graduating. I'm hoping that they're able to get selected or uh, be able to try out for some of these NBA teams. Because, like I said, there's some real talent there. And, I mean, going back to the rounds we have, and in basketball we have two rounds. In WNBA we have three rounds. In football or in NFL we have seven rounds. In Major League Baseball we have 20 rounds. So you can't tell me, you know, in 20, uh, 20 rounds, seven rounds, three rounds, two rounds, that none of these players are good um, exactly. to go in, in one of these rounds. Right. I mean, they, they, these are a lot of picks that are getting, right. you know, that, that, that people are picking, that players are getting drafted. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it, it, our time will come where a lot of HBCU players are getting drafted. But things like this, this HBCU All-Star game, is something that is really good and shines a light on HBCU sports in general. And in baseball, I'm tired of uh, getting picks of men that look like me but don't talk like me. Yeah. yeah they know? have to get translators. Uh, to, exactly. To, oh, yeah. Just so, because they already know the deal, uh, uh, you're going to have to pay that American. But see, you can get away mm-hmm. with it by paying that. You can get away with paying that Cuban two fifty, five hundred thousand million, something like that. But no, that American, he's going to want two million out the box. Exactly. <laughs> He knows he, he knows his worth. Yeah, he knows his worth, and he knows the the, the comparative. Um, don't have a word. He knows how to compare. Yeah, he knows how to compare straight out the box. He grew up with his mom and dad, uncles, cousins, you know, coaches. He looked around, and what I love about mothers now, man, with sports, whatever their son or daughter is playing, they know that position now. They know what that mm-hmm. position means. They know how much money it brings, and if you're a star or a superstar, they already know it. They already know, man. Whereas my mom didn't know all of that, you know. <laughs> she didn't. No, I'm just saying, I came along in the. Yeah. Mothers didn't know that like they know now. Yeah. You know, they just, you know, they knew you. They they drove you to practice and they asked you what position you played, and that was it. You know. Uh, you know, and they say you play in football in high school and college. Ah, but now they know what an offensive guard makes, what a center does, what he does, what he does on the field. How many do y'all have on the team? You know, what number are you? Oh my God! I mean, they ask good questions, and they and and I'm really proud that you know um, mothers have come up like that to know what their their son or daughter is playing. Hey, man, we're going to move right along. we got about six minutes before the break. The SIEC have reached a deal with the Black College Sports Network, which is the BSCN, Black College Sports Network, which includes an agreement that will feature the 2023 Cricket SIEC Track and Field Basketball and Softball Championship event. The events will be held in Albany and Atlanta, Georgia. Each event will hold a media day Prior to the championships, 
that the BCM will cover. The first event we'll uh, cover is the 2023 Track and Field Championship that will be held at Morehouse College on April 27th through the 29th. I think that is awesome. I think that is past awesome. I think you can't get no more than awesome. Awesome, 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 because any type of African-American media outlet like Sports Talk Atlanta, like Never Had It So Good, to, to continue to put it out there that this is what we're doing, I think that's it's just it's great. It's great. And I, and I love it, and I can't wait to see more of it, uh, Jamel. I know, I know you can, and the first one is at Morehouse College, so I know you're very excited about that one too. Uh, the 27th <laughs> yeah. to the 29th, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really I'm really excited as well. Like I said, the media day is really what's really big because all of this media can come, and that's that's something that we really haven't seen in HBCU sports as well is media there. We've we've had um, we've had we've had yeah we've had games broadcast and you know national uh, broadcast on ESPN and stuff like that. But one thing we haven't really had is media, and we've just seen um, for this past. For this past football season, we had College Game Day come to one of Jackson State's games, which was really, really good. But that was, I mean, that was really the first time um, I, that I can remember a, a time a big media thing kind of came to an HBCU game or an HBCU event. So I really, I'm really honing in on that media day, which is really good because they can interview coaches, players, uh, staff, everybody there can come and get a taste of what's going on at HBCU, and they can really they can really push it out there. So I really I'm really excited about those media days um, and just seeing how everything goes down. And then we got the championship game right after that. So the media day is really hyping everything up for the championship games or the championship track events, uh, basketball, softball, whatever. Um, so you know I think it's going to be really really good, and it's coming up very very soon, three weeks um, till till the 27th and the 29th when the track and field championship is at Morehouse. So. <coughs> I can't wait. I think that it's going to be very good. Uh, I think I want to give a shout out to BC BSCN man for all of their hard work to make this happen with the conference. First of all, I want to give them a shout out for all of their hard work because for them to even position themselves to do this took a lot of hard work. I mean, a lot of hard work, and to be able to do business with other African Americans uh, is another hard work entity. So shout out to the SIEC for choosing BSN, BSCN. Shout out to BSCN, sorry, for for getting up, for landing this big contract, man. That's good stuff, man. I love to see that. Um, One more thing before we go to the break. Linebacker Isaiah Lance, wide receiver Xavier Smith, offensive lineman Darian Whedon, senior defensive back DJ Holer, and Courtney Cox, kicker Jose Romo, Romo Ramirez, and punter Chris Badul were all players presented at FAMU's annual pro day to showcase their talent. 24 scouts from the NFL and CFL teams were in attendance to watch the players in drills. The NFL teams in attendance included the Bills, Panthers, Bears, Lions, Packers, Texans, Colts, Jaguars, Raiders, Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, Patriots, Saints, Jets, Eagles, Seahawks, Buccaneers, Titans, and Commanders. The CFL teams included the Edmonton Elks and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So I I read off those names because those uh, teams because there's 32 teams and only 24 showed up. What's up with that? You know, come on, man. And, And... Going into the NFL Hall of Fame this year, Ken Riley, who went to FAMU, and you only had 24 there? Yep, exactly. All that trickery, man. (laughs) You know it's a diamond in the rough there, and you still won't go. But that's okay. We're going to still keep putting it in their face. BSC is going to keep putting it in their face. Force Talk Atlanta is going to keep putting it in their face. Uh, all the other uh, media outlets that are African-American, we're going to keep putting it in their face until they understand, and we're not going to get tired. That's the thing. We're not going to get tired. Quick, just yeah. give me your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, like, like 
like you said, there's 32 teams in the NFL, and then 24 teams only show up. Uh, shout out to all of the 24 teams that did show up. But, like you said, there's 32 teams. And if it was Georgia's pro day, all 32 teams would be there. If it was Auburn's pro day, all 32 teams would be there. If it was Clemson's pro day, all 32 teams would be there. You got to see where I'm going with this. But as soon as it becomes a HBCU pro day, you know, we only get a portion of those teams showing up. 24 is still a lot, but those teams that didn't show up, you know, we, we, we got to get those. We got to get those. We got to do better with that. And um, when Deion Sanders, because Deion Sanders was still at Jackson State, he even called the, those teams out. He read off the list of everybody who was there, and he said, <laughs> you, you, exactly. you, and you, those teams, yeah. he called them out. He said, those teams who were not there, you know, we got a problem, man. We got talent here. You guys aren't coming up. That's 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 your loss because if you're not able right. to come here and see those players perform, you're not you're missing out on the talent that could be coming to your roster. Um, and you know, I really love what he said, uh, and he 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 really was shining a light on on the trickery, like you said, that was going on uh, at at, at uh, the pro days and the, um, everything that was going on at HBCU. Them not acknowledging and them not drafting them. Um, so, but yeah, Xavier Smith. Um, uh, Xavier Smith and what was I forgot his name? Um, Isaiah Land, Isaiah Land. I, I want to say they they did play in the uh, HBCU or not the HBCU, the senior re, uh, the senior Reese's Bowl All Star Game. Um, right, that, yeah, was, that exactly. was for everybody. Yeah, exactly. that was for everybody. And that was exactly. even more reason for them to come there. Exactly. You know, you got Isaiah Land playing in the Senior Bowl at Montgomery, but yet you don't see him good enough to come to his pro day. Wow, how disrespectful yep. is that? But you Very. Know, <laughs> care. You know, how disrespectful is that, man? And not only that, he's there. He's talent. He's a senior, played in your senior bowl. And you have a man that's going in the Hall of Fame from that school. <laughs> <laughs> you going to tell me they're not good at that school? Exactly. Man, you should have had two from each team, though. <laughs> you should have had two. Oh, my God. Don't get, man, I'm getting too much. Okay. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to go to a break. When we come back from the break, I got something really I want to say. Uh, I'll wait till we get back, and then we're going to start right into uh, National Championship Basketball, man, in America, man. This is Sports Talk Atlanta on the Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network and Radio. We'll be right back. Do you need tile installed in your home or business? Then John Robinson Tile LLC is the company for you. We have over 60 years of experience installing tile. We do bathrooms, kitchens, and so much more. Give us a call at 803-529-0092. Check out our website at www.johnrobinsontile2.com. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search J-Rob Tile or John Robinson Tile. We're licensed and insured and Schluter certified. If you need tile installed, we are your company. We believe in laying hands on everything that we do. That's John Robinson Tile Installation Service for new and old homes. Renovation of kitchens and bathrooms installs all types. That's John Robinson Tile, the number two, dot com. And we're back. This is Sports Talk Atlanta. I've never had it so good. Sports Media Network and Radio. I'm your host, Travis McGee. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jamel Johnson. Jamel, if you don't mind, would you let all of our listeners know how they can follow us? Yeah, so you guys can follow us on Twitter at Sports Talk ATL1, Instagram, Sports Talk Atlanta, and then Facebook, Sports Talk Atlanta. Once again, that's Twitter, Sports Talk ATL1, Facebook, Sports Talk Atlanta, and then Instagram, Sports Talk Atlanta. And then real quick before uh, before we go any further, I'm going to say this again, hopefully. And, Jamel, I want you to remind me at the end of the show. In the state of Florida, the governor has proposed a bill that would take away all fraternities and sororities from HBCU campuses. And then he came right back last week and said all African-American unions, black unions at PWIs in the state of Florida, he wants them off. He, he want them banned. 
Did you hear about that? I did not hear about that. You said that's in Florida? That's the state of Florida. The governor has proposed a bill for all of that, and it looks like they're probably going to pass. And I say that to say I don't see how you could be an African-American male or female and play a sport in Florida. I know right now the Greeks, they're, man, they're, man, they're scrambling, moving all of their stuff. They, they, they were going to have their meetings in Florida. Man, they're going to have them in another state now. They're not going to take that money there because you got a governor. Obviously, he does not like black folks. That's obvious. So how are you going to – the Atlanta Dream had that lady that was the the owner, and they took the team from him. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. The Clippers had a guy, the owner, he didn't like black folks. How are you going to play for somebody and they don't even like you? Yeah, I mean, so the state of Florida, the governor's putting it to your face now. He's not even being shamed with it anymore. So I thought I'd put that out there, particularly to athletes. You know, hey man, it is what it is. There's no use in shooting the messenger. I'm just saying what he said. Wow. So, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm speechless. I mean, I'm really speechless right now. I really. So, so I remember at one time I had to talked about, um, you know, the Black Student Alliance. And that was the first mm-hmm. thing that came out when that shooting was at Georgia State a while back. Yeah. The yeah. Black Student Alliance was the first one they interviewed on Channel 2 News here in Atlanta. Here in Atlanta. Huh. They have them at every PWI. Now he said he want to wipe that out. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that one. And then you got the state of Mississippi, <laughs> the state of Mississippi and Jackson. They they want to have two courts, two court systems, one for whites and one for blacks. But yet they shoot up the Emmett Till sign every year. The federal yeah. government puts the sign there. The white boys go and shoot it up. Oh, the Caucasians. I'm sorry. The Caucasians. They go and shoot it up every year. Yeah. I thought I'd put that information out there because of the fact that I still, as I look at Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, and all those Caucasian Mississippi schools, and I look at those African-American boys and females, males and females, playing those sports, and I'm going, hmm, hmm, maybe they didn't get the memo. I mean, I wouldn't be out there, you know, <laughs> But yeah, but yet Muhammad Ali said, "If you're gonna play, if you're gonna be an athlete, stand for something. Sometimes you got to give up a whole lot in order to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish." Yeah, don't be wrong. Everybody's not gonna follow you. Everybody's not gonna see it the way you do. And I get that totally, totally. But at the same time, when they're putting it in your face, wow, really, really, yeah, AKA else's. Sigmas, Q's, Kappas, whatever, all of them are to be off the campuses in the state of Florida. I mean, black, black fraternity, black fraternity, black Greek life at HBCUs is a big part of the culture there at HBCUs, um, and, and and it's a big part is a big part of the uh, the culture at a lot of PWIs that have a heavy exactly. concentration of black individuals exactly. and black students. So exactly. banning that, yeah, banning that in general is taking away that culture. Um, and, I mean, you, if you're a college student right now, you can attest it. I mean, parties that are thrown and events and everything, they, they show up to, they show up to uh, football games, basketball games, sporting events. They, they are really, really involved in the campuses at HBCUs and, like I said, at other PWIs that have a heavy concentration of black people and banning that in general is taking a large part of that away. And when you have those aspiring, I mean, young men and women growing up in Florida, young black men and women growing up in Florida who might have a mom that's an AKA or a Delta might have a dad that's a Q or a Kappa or an alpha. uh, They want to be, they want to be involved in Greek life and they want to, when they get on campus, they want to, experience they want they want to have that experience and you're taking that away from them something that they've been dreaming about their whole life and or that their parent has wanted that wanted for them as well. So 
so that that's real. I, I like I said, I'm really speechless for that. Um, man, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you could you could Google it while we're on the while if you don't mind while we're on the show right now. If, if you want to say something toward the end of the show, please let me know. At the same time, for the, for a person to even think of something like that, man, it it, it just mind boggling. Really. It's mind boggling. Yeah. Uh I I mean, you know, it, this country gets deeper and deeper, you know, with the things that they do with me. When you see I, I you just don't understand everybody and it really gets to me sometimes because it's like they're they're really just trying to choke the life out of African Americans and we wanna sit here and continue to play let's pretend. Let's pretend like it's not happening. You know, that let's pretend, man, is something serious, but we're going to continue to move on, man. Um, we've finished our HBCU Sports News and Updates, which is our brand here at this uh, uh, show, and we're going to continue with that. Now, let's get into the moment that we've all been waiting for. LSU defeats Iowa in the Women's NCAA Championship 102-85. to That wasn't a close game, was it? It wasn't. <laughs> I feel like I actually feel like it was pretty close. I feel like the score doesn't really do it justice because the intensity was really, really good. Uh, right, right, exactly. Well, hold up, hold up, before we, before you get into it, it was, a, yeah. it was the first championship in school history for LSU. LSU top performers include senior Jasmine Carson, who had 22 points, senior Alexis Morris, who had 21 points and nine assists, senior Ladija Williams, who had 20 points three steals, and sophomore Angel Reese, who had 15 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Jasmine Carson, she, she took the last seven shots of the game. She's from right here at McEachin High School, which is about mm, 15 miles from my house. Uh, she's a senior. Um, hey, man, she took the last seven shots. Yeah, that Georgia talent. Right there. That, hey, man, that Georgia talent. <laughs> we know how to make that. We know how to make it a household name. <laughs> Not taking anything from Florida, Texas, or California. Throw that out there. But, yeah, it was good. to me it was a good game. Like you said, the intensity is really what made the game, man. And, um, you know, the young lady with Iowa, Caitlin, um, you know, I don't know. She, I think she's been looking at too many Trump tapes. You know, she thinks she can just <laughs> do anything. She thinks she can just do anything, but yet when somebody else does it, you know, no, it's a problem now. You know, so that's just my opinion. That was my opinion. You know, and then when you do back, then you do the same thing back, then it's, oh, my God, the world coming to an end. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Angel Reese, um, you know, she really set the record straight. Um, again, <laughs> that ring, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, right on. <laughs> she was pointing to it all, all the uh, madness. She was pointing to that ring finger. She was like, we're going to put it on this finger right here, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, man, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, 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 are you a trash talker when you were playing? Me personally, no. I was I well, I wasn't a trash talker when you just just randomly, you know, just trying to get in anybody's right. head. But when somebody did talk to me, I was like, right. you know, I was getting back at them and then we had a okay. little uh, just, yeah, we had something going on there. But me personally, <laughs> I never sought anything out. I was always like, you know, my play is gonna speak for itself because I was I was really like, you know, I mean, the trash talk it wasn't my game um, necessarily. I did have players, my my uh, teammates, who did like the trash talk, and it was really funny seeing them do it and getting into people's heads and everything like that, or if it did affect them at all. Um, but me personally, it was never my game. I just like to go out there and play. But when somebody did come to me and you know try to try to chirp a little bit, then I would go back at them. And then if I made a play on them or tackled them or something like that, then it would be it would be really intense. So, so well, let me ask you this. Uh, well, I'm going to save this segment, and then we're going to go into it. 
Forward Angel Reese for the LSU Tigers is facing criticism for fan, from fans about how she celebrated the win over Iowa during the final minutes of the game. Reese could be seen doing the you-can't-see-me hand gesture toward Caitlin Clark, who also had done the same hand gesture earlier in the tournament. She can be also seen pointing to her ring finger towards Clark, sportsmanlike during the win. They do it at the high school level. I mean, they do it at the college level. They do it particularly at the pro level. You know, mm-hmm. I heard, you know, people, you know, when, you know, when they had Dirty Bird in Atlanta and the other team would get, they'll be in it. Hey, man, shoot. One of my favorite players, T.O., you know, he goes to the, uh, you know, he goes to the, he with the 49ers, go to that star uh, in Dallas. In Dallas, know, yeah. And taunting. And then they tried to knock his head off, but you know, you know, his mind took him there. <laughs> his mind told him, "Hey man, let's go, let's go talk them in Dallas." <laughs> so you know, at the same time, Caitlin did it. I don't know if it's called unsportsmanlike, but you didn't say nothing to her. You didn't give her a, a, a penalty or nothing like that. Exactly. Whereas when it was done back to her, now it's unsportsmanlike. And we talked about this earlier, you know. Uh, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to really call it unsportsmanlike. But what I will say, this is what I will say. There's a lot of listeners listening. My African-American males in football have changed the rules so many times. Well, they've come up with rules. And you know which one I like? You know which one I like the most? The penalty I like the most, uh, Jamel? Which one? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. And the one they came up with about five years ago. Excessive celebration. Yeah. (laughs) I knew that was coming. I love that one. (laughs) Because we know how to celebrate. (laughs) Yeah. After a touch, and don't get a pick six. Oh, my God, all of the defense runs down to the other end zone to get in front of the camera, and they take pictures. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Especially if they're on the road. Oh, my God, man. I'm falling off the couch laughing. Then all of a sudden <laughs> they come up with a penalty and the referee will throw a flag. <laughs> and that, that, that right there is straight up, you know. You don't yeah. see too many occasions getting that penalty. Yeah. Um, we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I go, mean, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about rule changes, this has been going on for quite some time. This is a little sports history for you guys right now, but uh, back in when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar actually was at UCLA from 1966 to 1969. Kareem is 7-2. He was really dominant and at that level, and I believe they won three, three or two national championships when he was there. But right. at the time, uh, he was dunking the ball like left and right. He was dunking and right. dunking and dunking. And they actually outlawed dunking during, I believe, a 10-year period uh, during that time from, I believe, 1960. I want to say 1969, 1960, or 1976, or something like that. But they outlawed right. dunking, and at the time, it was mainly black athletes who were dunking the ball, and they right. were saying you know, it was unfair. They were trying to basically, in a sense, take them down a notch uh, from the other white athletes, the predominantly other white athletes who were playing on the field. Uh, so that at the time, I mean, you, you you weren't you were dunking it and then getting back on on defense. You weren't dunking it, celebrating, doing all that. You were just dunking it, getting back on defense. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he's seven two, and I mean, for him to just lay the ball up, I mean, that that kind of just takes the fun out of it. So you know that that back then, and he was still he was still very dominant when they did take it away. But when you talk about changing rules and and tweaking the rules or pulling stuff just out of a hat, um, excessive celebration. It, it, it's exactly. very targeted. Yeah, it's very targeted at black players and black individuals who are playing the game because of how we're able to just bring out that joy and bring out that 
just fight, you know, from from playing the game. We just we just do it very very differently um, than than any anybody else that plays the game. And Angel Reese, she, I mean, when we saw it happen, I'm like I'm not like I said, if I was in that position. You know, I probably would be celebrating my team or whatever. But what she did, it, it was there was nothing wrong with what she did because when you win and when you are good and you can play, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever yeah. you want. You can talk trash or you can not talk trash. It doesn't matter. And Angel Reese told uh, or chose to talk trash to Caitlin or do hand gestures or whatever to Caitlin Clark. The same hand gestures that she was doing throughout the entire tournament and the game before, Kayla Clark is a great, great player. And she really was on a tear. I believe she, she did, she broke the record for most points during March Madness in, in history. Um, but Kayla Clark, the game before against South Carolina, there was a, there was a play where one of the players on South Carolina, I believe it was Aaliyah Boston was dribbling the ball at the court near the, near the perimeter and the three point line. And Kayla Clark basically just fell back in the post. And she could have just fell back in the post, not guard her up close or whatever. But she chose to wave her off, like wave her away. And everybody saw all the cameras saw it. And it was all over social media. And that was praise. That was, oh, Kaylin Clark is this. Kaylin Clark is, you know, uh, uh, you know, she, she's, you know, they were, they were just calling her so many good, good names. And, oh, she, she's so good. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, Angel Reese kind of does something similar, not even waving or not, not even really disrespecting her at the, at the time, but she just, you know, you can't see me. I, I got my ring, stuff like that. And it's, oh, you know, she's classless. She's uh, unsportsmanlike. She, she doesn't have any class, all, all these names. And I, when I was just seeing all the comments uh, under these sports pages, I was just like, man, this is, this is really bad. And uh, I believe it was Shannon Sharp. I was watching Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless on Undisputed. Shannon Sharp really put it put it into perspective. He said that it's trash talk is a part of the game, but black trash talk and white trash talk are be are viewed completely different, and we know why. That's what he said, uh, and we definitely know why because in America you can't do anything um, if you're black. If, if if a white person did it, it's going to be viewed the, uh, completely different. If a black person do it, especially black women in this country. Yep. And yep, <laughs> yep. I can't say it, you know. And I'm glad it didn't come from me. It came from him, who get yeah. millions of dollars to say what he say. Yeah, exactly. You know, but so you're going from millions of dollars to Sports Talk Atlanta and all that in between, and everybody see the same thing. Yeah. Period. Yep. I some that'll turn that blind eye, you know, and I and I understand that. I I, I get it, but at the same time, you, you're gonna have to turn that blind eye so many times, your head gonna look like poltergeist. Or uh, <laughs> 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 you keep turning your head round and round and round, you know, it's gonna spit off your shoulders after a while. But yeah, uh, amen. I, 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 I never was a big trash talker. I, I try to get show for itself at the same time. If you bring it to me, I'm going to give it back. And then if I give it back, that might get me started to start trash talking during the game. But most of the time I'm concentrating on what, you know, trying to help my team win, you know. Yeah. But if you could trash talk, depending on where you're at, position you're at, depending on what kind of game you're having. Hey, man, I just think Ray Lewis was the best. I think Deion Sanders was the best. I think that you couldn't get a bigger trash talker than Muhammad Ali. Yeah. My favorite trash talker, my favorite. Because when you can float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, man, you got some trash <laughs> in your system. Yeah. And then back it up, too. Oh, that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate to me. Yeah. Um, we're going to move right along, Jamel. We're having a great time here on Sports Talk Atlanta, man. I hope everybody's tuning in, man, and have, listening to our conversation because this stuff is really, really good. Hey, man, the University of UConn, uh, better known as UConn, University of Connecticut, they defeated San Diego State 76-59, to another not-close game, to win their fifth men's national championship in school's history, the other championships include 1999, 2004, 2009, 2011, and 014. Senior Tristan Newton, 
and Junior Adamo Sanano, can't say it, Sanyango, both had double-doubles, which helped UConn secure the victory. Newton had uh, 19 points with 10 rebounds, and Sanango had 17 points with 10 rebounds. Huh. Can we say the word dominance? Oh, yeah. <laughs> on all on all facets. You know, I'm going to say this. San Diego State had a tall team. Yeah. To meet. And I'm like, because and they and they got to the fight, they got to the championship game with it. Because to me, you got to have a lot of height under the basket, whether it's high school, college, or pro. You want height under the basket so you can get rebounds. That's just to me, and so you can position yourself, things of that nature. Um, you know, we wasn't on week, and I wanted to talk about. Florida Atlantic, and you know I told you how I love the weather. Where the school sits on the beach, yeah, and they made it, to, and they made it to the Final Four, uh, Jamel. They did, they did. They made it to the Final Four, so good for them. But UConn just really set it out, man. Um, hey, got a great basketball program. I remember when UConn, when the girl, well, the women and the men won it the same year at the same time. Um, that was good stuff, man. I remember when the University of Florida won uh, a football national championship and basketball championship at the same time, back-to-back. Yeah. Back-to-back. I remember that, man. I mean, that's got to be fun when you're going to school and winning like that. That's got to yeah. be good stuff, man. That's got to be fun times. Oh, my God. Yeah, you and UConn, out? UConn has won. UConn has won a lot in the last twenty years. Like you said, nineteen ninety nine, twenty two thousand four, two thousand nine, two thousand eleven, and then twenty fourteen. And now in twenty twenty three, they won again. Um, and I really love their their rebounding. And when you look at rebounding, rebounding is really a skill. It was not all hype. So you could be seven seven two, but yep. you know, we we've seen a lot of a lot of seven seven feet people who are really just not good at getting rebounds. Rebounding is high. One of the best rebounders in. And you know who backs up that statement? The Atlanta Hawks. They had a lot of tall men in the middle that could not rebound. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the, I mean, <laughs> the Hawks were, were – I mean, they've gotten better, but the Hawks were pretty, pretty lackluster, yeah, um, in, in terms of rebounds. When you have, we can have a lot of tall players on your team, but when you yep. don't have the skill to get the rebound, the reaction time, and the jump – Power, uh, the height to get, or the yeah the, right. to get the rebound. Um, exactly. it, it's really it's, it's gonna be tough for you. One of the best rebounders in NBA history was Dennis Rodman, who was only six seven, but he was exactly. playing small four power four position. But being able to react and know where the ball is gonna be, that is the skill that comes with rebound. And when you look at UConn, Sonogo and Newton, who had ten rebounds each. Newton is six five and Sonogo is six six nine and six nine uh-huh. is tall. But when you look at a center, you're looking for 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 a center, you're looking six ten, six eleven, seven feet plus. Six nine right. is kind of small for a center, and you have Sonogo getting ten rebounds on the on the boards, and then Newton with ten rebounds. That was half of their rebounds right there because they had forty in general, and then forty versus thirty four, they won the rebound battle uh, with San Diego State. San Diego State had thirty four rebounds. So when you're getting those rebounds and you're able to grab those rebounds, that's creating a lot of offensive rebounds. So creating a lot of second chance opportunities for the offense. And then when you're grabbing the defensive rebounds, you're able to get the rebounds, and then you can make outlet passes to your guards, and then that can get the fast breaks going, which can also tire out the other team. And we saw that really well uh, executed by UConn versus San Diego State. Hey, man, I'm glad you brought up Dennis Rodman because he was one of my favorite rebounders, him and Moses Malone. There was another – there was a couple of rebounders in the NFL history that I really love. But but when you're a center, when you're a center and can rebound, man – I want him crazy, and yeah. Dennis, Dennis Rotman was my was just one of my favorites because he wanted to get forty rebounds in a game, and he said if he got it, he was going to leave the court naked. He was going to take off all his clothes and run in the <laughs> But but this would be his stat. This is, look at this. He'll have ten points, five rebounds. Next night he'll have fourteen points, twenty eight rebounds. Come back the next yeah. night. 
He got 14 points, 20 rebounds. Man, look at all the rebounds. I'm like, wow. If you look at his stats per game, man, and then he told the Bulls when he left the Pistons, he said, if you want a man that's going to work hard, I'm your man. If you want a man that's going to run up and down the court and not do too well and not work hard, I'm not the one you want to sign here. Man, the Bulls hurry up and gave him an eight pen. Yeah. <laughs> they hurry up and gave him one because every time he got a rebound, he's putting the ball back into a shooter's hand. That means exactly. we got more shots that night. More shots. Yeah. He wasn't even working unless he was just right up under the basket and, like, put it back up, you know. But if, if not, like you said, man, it's a, it, 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 I'm glad you brought that up too, Jamel, because rebounding is not just standing there being 60 level. Exactly. You know, you got to know how to do it. And a lot of yeah. fights happen. A lot of fights happen on that block and in that paint. That's where yeah. the fights are. Because everybody's yeah. positioned themselves. You know, you, you, know, you don't want to elbow, but you, you're, you're using your body all the time. And that's what got Harford, um, Al Harford, where he had to sit out a whole year because he wasn't a center. But he was getting beat down in that paint. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was getting he was. beat down. And, and I watched him just get beat down where he had to just take a to get his body back together. Yeah, and the older and, uh, he got, the harder it was to, to compete exactly. with those young guys down low. Exactly, exactly. And, and that is why a lot of people said that NBA has changed. Everybody want to step out there and take three. Yeah. <laughs> because you'll get beat down in that paint, man. Exactly. You know, and the older you get, the more time it takes for your body to heal, you know. So, um, hey, man. Uh, that was a good subject, man. I love that, man. So shout out to UConn Huskies, and they, hey, man, they are the national champs. Hey, man, we didn't take a break at, at um, eight forty, so we got about eight minutes left. We're gonna ride it on out, man. The NFL draft is coming up April twenty seventh. It will last to the twenty ninth. There are several quarterbacks that are slated to go in the first round, and among them a quarterback, CJ Stroud from Ohio. And uh, these quarterbacks are predicted to go one and two, but many experts are debating which one will be taken first. I'm going with the I'm going with the uh, I'm going with the Heisman Trophy winner. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going with the Heisman. I, I, I think we'll go with Bryce Young as well. We saw. I mean, with Alabama this past year, they weren't as good as we've seen Alabama. Uh, what Alabama can be, they definitely weren't right. as good. But they. The reason why they were still as good as they were was because of Bryce Young, and he really carried that team and willed that team on his back. Even when he was injured, um, he still was going out there and playing. I believe he missed one or two games, but the, the games he did play, he really was going out there and basically willing that team to victory a lot of the time. Um, and in that Tennessee game when they played, when Tennessee did, Tennessee did come out on top, Bryce Young was the reason why they stayed in the game and the reason why they ultimately had a chance to win at the end. Um, but you know, Bryce Young, he, he when you look at him, I believe he's about six six feet, six one, pretty short uh for the average quarterback, but he has the ability to get the ball downfield and he has the ability to also get out of the pocket, um and you know, just get out of the pocket and make short throws. He he really has right. a versatility about him, um, and right. Bryce Young. Excuse me, he, he's 5'10". I thought he was about six, one, six, six feet, but he is 5'10", so he's on the shorter side. But when you look at other quarterbacks in the league, Russell Wilson, he's 5'11". Russell Wilson, obviously, right now, he isn't the best quarterback in the league anymore. But then you look at quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, who's pretty dominant at 5'9". And, I mean, Bryce Young, 5'10", he's getting in there uh, at that middle range between the two. But he still, if he's able to come in and be as dominant as he did in College, I think he's really good, and the, uh, he, I think he'll be really good. The Carolina Panthers have that first pick as well, um, and they're in history kind of they've had taller quarterbacks. So we have Cam Newton coming in uh, not too long ago. Cam Newton six five, and Cam Newton when you get down at, when you get down to the goal line, Cam Newton was the one to kind of go over the top of everybody and get get the, get the ball in. 
So he, we we right. were doing, he, he invented that kind of like Superman uh, play where we jump over and then you get it in. But then, right. you know, you kind of going, yeah, you kind of going from that. Um, and then you got Sam Donald and Baker Mayfield, who was just the, just the past quarterbacks that we just had for Carolina. And then if you get Bryce Young after that, he's the shortest out of all of them. Um, so they're kind of going to have to switch their game a little bit to um, to come uh, to come complement Bryce Young. But if they can do it, I think they they'll be really good uh, in Carolina. I think he'll excel Carolina's offense in that in that regard. Well, you know what's going to carry uh, Bryce Young? What I love about him, what made him win the Heisman Trophy, was yeah. he's a thinker. Quarterback yeah. to be a thinker. Make smart decisions with the ball. Yeah. Be able to read defenses. You got to read the defense, man. Yeah. And the thinker, like you said, man, he knows when to get out of the pocket. He knows knows when to step up in the pocket. He, he's a thinker. Russell Wilson is a thinker. I don't think he, – he, he's on a bad team. He's, he's still Russell Wilson. But if you go, yeah. you know, if you got me at wide out, and you got Jamel at the other wide out. You know, I, 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 I'm, I got gray hair. <laughs> Jamel hasn't played football in what four, five years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, yeah. You know, the Broncos are just dead sorry. You know, and then you want to put you know, my cousin at at, uh, at one offensive tackle. And my other cousin at the other offensive tackle, and both of them are fifty years old. I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, he's on a sorry team, but mm-hmm. that didn't stop him from signing that two hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, he knew it going in, but he's still a tremendous athlete and he's a thinker. So I brought all of that up to say, uh, you know, the guy at Alabama, he, he, you know, he's a thinker. I'm not taking that from C.J. Stroud, though, because we all know if that kicker, if pressure didn't bust pipes, they would have beat Georgia in that bowl game. Most definitely. You know, C.J. Stroud did his job. He's a thinker also, and he's a tremendous athlete. But I think, you know, I just think the edge – the edge is gonna to go to Bryce Young. I just, I just really do. I really do think that he's gonna go there. Um, yeah, you know, because of his thinking ability. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey man, we got about two minutes left, man. And what we're gonna talk about real quick is the Atlanta Falcons have the eighth pick in the draft, and with them making it clear that Desmond Ritter is the starter heading into the twenty twenty three season, they won't be selecting the quarterback in the eighth pick. Um, real quick, who do you think they should get? If it, I don't, I don't think Will Anderson will be there that long, but they've been. I don't think Will Anderson. Yeah, yeah, I don't think real Will quick, real quick before you go. I'm sorry, but real quick, I think that they need defense. They need cornerbacks, but they made some great uh, transactions over this off period where they didn't have to give up picks. And I think the Falcons going to be in the thick of things. Go ahead, Jamel. They did. I think I think they do. Should, they should go defense. I I honestly. Uh, think they probably will trade down honestly I think there's a good probably uh, ability for them to trade down and for somebody else to get the eighth pick and then maybe at maybe at 13 14 15 if they could get that pick I think that whoever wants it if they want a cornerback or a linebacker or something um, they'll still be there at that at that time but if they can if they keep that eighth pick I think they should go with Nolan Smith um, from from Georgia he I believe he started in he started a couple games in this past season but uh, he got injured, which ended his season. But he was still part of that defense that went that had, was really dominant the, the year before. Georgia's defense was dominant this past year, but the year before in 2021, when they won the national championship again, um, they they were really really dominant. Um, some some even may think that they were they were more dominant they were that season than they were this past season. Um, but Nolan Smith, he ran a four three nine and in a forty at the forty yard dash, um, and that was the fastest of an outside linebacker. Uh, or did not set the second fastest, I believe, of an outside linebacker. Uh, so I think they should select him. He's really, really good. And I think they need an edge rusher um, for the, the the defense. And I think they went, they gotten, uh, they did good in terms of getting uh, improvement of secondary. And I think if they could now improve that low block and that that front seven, I think that's going to be going to be better. Amen. 
That's great talk, man. And look, what we're going to have to do is we're going to pick that up next week when we come back. Um, we're going to pick it up sooner because HBCUs right now are really getting closer and closer to wrapping up their seasons, uh, particularly in track and field and in uh, tennis and in all of their sports besides baseball. So let's talk about all of that next week. We'll pick it up a lot sooner, the NFL draft all the uh, Major League Baseball and other things. Look at this. We've had a great time here tonight on Sports Talk Atlanta. And until we meet again, I want everybody to be safe. Thank you, Jamel. Thank you, Sierra. And thank you, Kevin, for all of your hard work. We want to thank everybody at Sports Talk Atlanta. Everybody, be safe.